This week on Art in the Air features Chicago-based artist and illustrator Raina Marie Urban, who reveals how her art aided her own struggles with depression. Next, we have textile artist Lisa nelson Rabo, whose work with repetitive forms is revealed stitch by stitch. Our spotlight is with Tom Bilek and Miss Michelle of Tom Foolery Fun Clubs returning to Whitey's Mascot Hall of Fame on June 5th. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world. Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m., plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, every Sunday at 7 p.m., also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome back to Art on the Air Spotlight uh a uh, pair that been with us before from the Tom Foolery Fun Club, uh, Tom Bialik and Miss Michelle. And they've got a, a new event coming up on Saturday, June 5th, 2021, uh, back into the live world. So, guys, welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. Hi, Larry. Aloha. Hello. Thanks for having us back. We're happy to be back. Well, well it's exciting. It's ex- an exciting reason. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's been a long time. This will be, uh, I think it'll be 15 months since we've uh, done a live event, and uh, we're—I think—we're ready to go. Although I don't know, we might be a little, uh, a little stage fright. What do you think? Yes, we have to get our our opening kind of uh, queued up and ready to go. Get our shtick, but we'll be uh, we'll be ready, and uh, we'll be at the. Uh, beautiful mascot hall of fame in downtown whitey indiana this will be our first time uh, doing a show there and we can't wait it's a great spot and uh, we're looking forward to it is the room where you're going to be performing is it separate from like the museum part or will they will they be able to enjoy the rest of it or is it a separate venue Yes, actually, it's right in the middle of the museum. So we're going to be right in the middle of the mascots, having mascots surrounding us, and um, we'll be right in front of the colorful fun. And who are you going to have on the docket to perform both music and a comedy? Well, we've got a nice mix of comedy this time. We have uh, Vince Acevedo is our, our quote-unquote headliner, although we hesitate to use that term because we like to think that all of the comedians in the show are, are you know equally as, as talented and funny, but uh, Vince has a little bit more material uh, Vince Acevedo will be uh, uh, will be rounding off the show, 
Yes. And then we have uh, our female comedian is Jesnaira Baez. She'll be joining us as well. Jess Nyra's back uh, for, uh, I don't know, fourth or fifth time with us. And uh, a young lady by the name of Mary-Kate Beck will uh, be with us as well. So uh, a nice, uh, you know, rounded out uh, cast of characters there. And on the uh, musical front, uh, local legend Nick Danger will be on the scene providing the tunes. So he'll open up the show for us and play intermittently throughout the evening. And it's going to be great. What a night. How has Tom Foolery uh, Fun Club survived during these last 15 months without live events? Um, I'm uh, life support. <laughs> <laughs> Oxygen and we, uh, but on a ventilator, uh, but uh, he's coming back. <laughs> no, we we really haven't done uh, any. Uh, you know, we toyed around with the idea of doing some virtual shows, uh, but what we do, it's it's very. Uh, at least we saw it as being very difficult to translate to the virtual world. And we you know, we worked really hard to build the brand, and we didn't want to do anything to compromise it just for the sake of doing shows. So. Right. So we did a celebrity series, though, with our mm-hmm. podcast. So we kind of kept that um, kept that going with a celebrity series of about, what, six episodes, I think? Right. We had some video footage yeah. of some of our comedians. So we spliced that into uh, – we did some interviews and then spliced in the footage. And uh, it was fun. And it gave everybody a chance to, uh, I guess, get a little, a little taste of tomfoolery yes. over the last 15 months or so. Are you still doing podcasts at all? Uh, you know, I know that you can get that, like, on Facebook, and stuff, but you're still uh, producing those? We're kind of inconsistent with that. (laughs) Transparency, we've been a little inconsistent, but um, we love doing it. And we kind of were transitioning more to um, video podcasts than than just a straight, you know, audio podcast there for a while, just to kind of give people that feel of having someone on stage. So that's what we were kind of doing. So on your performance, it's um, 21 plus, right? And there's two shows? It is a 21-plus show. Uh, it's uh, it's one show. Uh, Showtime is 8 o'clock on the oh. 5th of June. You know, the comedy is good, clean comedy, though. It's nothing uh, inappropriate for younger people. I mean, we could have – I mean, high school age kids would uh, probably enjoy themselves. Uh, but we just decided to kind of limit the show to 21 because grown-ups need a night out, especially after (laughs) (laughs) – With the children, Leave the kids, get a babysitter, or just uh, put some Cheerios on the table, and they'll be fine for a couple hours. Come back and uh, (laughs) – By babysitting advice from the Tom Fuller Fun Club, you know, Cheerios on the table and go out. (laughs) That's not exactly how I raise my children. They survived it. They're okay. So anything plans after uh, you're coming back into the world of live entertainment? We do have a follow-up event. Uh, On August 14th, we have an outdoor show, and this will be a strictly musical show. Uh, This will be a a fundraising effort for the Indiana Ballet Theater. And, uh, again, the concert will feature uh, local rock legend M&R Rush, and it'll be at the uh, uh, Northwest Health Amphitheater in Valparaiso, and that's going to be great because it'll be an outside and uh, hot rock and cold beer. Yes. And then <laughs> that, we have October 30th at Oric Shrine in Michigan City. That's another fundraiser for the Oric Shrine. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, we've had Glory on the show recently to talk about the things she's doing. So uh, that's great that you're supporting the, the Indiana Ballet Theater because it's been a tough time for them. Well, we're about ready to wrap up. We've got about 30 seconds left. So tell us all about the event, the night, uh, how to contact, where to get tickets and, and where to go. Absolutely. Well, uh, once again, June 5th at the Mascot Hall of Fame in Whiting. It's an eight o'clock show. We'll have three comedians and some live music. And uh, for ticket information, you can go to www.tomfoolerifunclub.com. That's tomfoolerifunclub.com. <laughs> Tickets are $25. <laughs> 
Last thousand or so, actually. I think we only yes. have about 12 tickets left. It's going to be a small audience anyway, and uh, we're, we're still going to keep uh, keep things somewhat socially distanced. Right, COVID careful. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got a few seats left, so please uh, please join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on Art of the Year Spotlight. That's Tom and Ms. Michelle from Tom Foolery Fun Club. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Esther. Have a great day. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And we'd like to welcome to Art on the Air. Uh, she has always been an artist in some form or another. has been extremely blessed to be surrounded by both creativity and compassion with her parents, uh, sister, and brother. She grew up in the desert of Santa Fe, Mexico, later moving to the urban jungle of Chicago, She's found herself among the most beautiful people and places that continue to inspire her creative endeavors. Please welcome to Art in the Air, Raina Marie Urban. Thank you for coming on the show. Aloha. Welcome. Hi, Esther. Hi, Larry. Thank you so much for having me on today. So excited. Well, we usually like to start with your journey a little bit. Yeah, I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are. And I told a little bit in your intro, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about that and how that uh, eventually led to Urban Psycho. Yes. Um, So... Like Larry said, you know, I'm currently an artist here in Chicago, Illinois, um, but I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which, of course, is like artist central and absolutely amazing and beautiful. Um, So I've always been surrounded by art, artisans. My parents are both artists in their own right. Um, My father has his own art company based out of Florida right now. Uh, It's a Beach Feet Co., in case anyone's interested. Um, and my mom is an architect. She's still practicing architect. My dad was a landscape designer. So I grew up in a house that was very, very creative. Um, but for me personally, as an artist, I guess, you know, like um, you said, Larry, you know, I've always been an artist in some way or another. It's just part of who I am. It's part of my life. As far as my um, background in art, um, the first time I ever had my work recognized was in maybe like fourth or fifth grade. Um, There was an art contest held for the public school kids where we had to draw a design the size of a dinner plate. And then a few of those designs were selected and um, actually turned into real plates that were then later auctioned off at a fundraiser event. So my design was one of the ones selected for my school. And I remember I like got interviewed by the local paper um, and I got to go to like a special pottery studio where I was able to create my designs on ceramic. Um, so it was very cool. Um, I have no idea what actually happened to that plate. Um, I'm assuming it's somewhere, you know, whoever won it in the auction, uh, hopefully, you know, they have they it. Still somewhere. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it's on someone's shelf somewhere. Um, but I do have. Can you, can you describe, poster. can you describe the design of that plate? Yeah. Um, so the, from, you know, what that I remember of it, um, it's a Native American woman with, you know, the very colorful blanket, you know, draped over her face and the New Mexico sky behind her with all the stars, you know, very different than my uh, current sky here in Chicago where you can't really see any stars. Um, but something, you know, that I grew up with and definitely associate with New Mexico. How long did you, what, how long did you live in New Mexico? I lived in New Mexico until I was, um, it's 18 or 19. I moved to Chicago for school. I went to DePaul University 
Um, and ever since that, you know, I left, I, you know, made Chicago my home and my parents are no longer in New Mexico. Um, so I haven't really been back there much, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Chicago's been my home since I was about 19. So how do you like living in the city life versus like the, the desert of Santa Fe? You know, it's so completely different. It's two totally different worlds um, coming from Santa Fe to Chicago, but in a really great way. I love all the opportunity that Chicago has to offer. There's just always something going on. And especially for artists, you know, so many, you know, street fairs and small galleries, you know, small shops, so much opportunity to collaborate and just see everything that's going on. It's it's such a hub of activity that it's really exciting to be in. So why DePaul? Um, DePaul actually, um, it was kind of a weird, random, it's, you know, one of those things in life that it just kind of happened. Um, I did a lot of research for, you know, what college was going to suit me best. And I, I knew I wanted to go out of state. I wanted to experience something different. And DePaul kept on coming up in all of my searches, you know, for, you know, a good match for me. So I was like, sure. You know, I went and I checked out the campus and absolutely loved the city of Chicago and uh, ended up getting a scholarship and the, the rest was history. <laughs> <laughs> I see that you're, you studied like liberal arts and then digital arts and media. Uh, tell us a little about that uh, line of study. Yes. Yeah, so um, I was actually a philosophy major while that I was there. Um, again, one of those random things that just kind of happened. Um, I also um, studied uh, digital media, which has definitely uh, proved very um, important in my current work, um, where I'm actually a graphic designer full time now. I started going out on my own doing freelance about a year ago um, when that, you know, with everyone else, life changed with the COVID pandemic. And um, I, you know, switched careers and I'm doing the graphic design. So a lot of the stuff that I learned in DePaul that you know, it was just kind of something I was interested in. I didn't ever really think I was going to be able to make a career out of it, out of the graphic design and, you know, my art, which is just something I've always done. Because it would seem like, you know, the natural choice would have been the Art Institute, which is why I asked why DePaul, but now that kind of clarifies it. Yeah, clarifies well, and, it. you know, it's, a, it's interesting that you bring that up because actually um, I, I have a very interesting relationship with um, formal training and art. Um, I don't really have any formal training background. I'm completely self-taught um, in terms of, you know, my painting and drawing. And I've always really believed that there's no right or wrong when it comes to art. And that's really one of my favorite things about it. Um, I realized really early on that I didn't like people telling me how to do my art and trying to tell me that there was a right and a wrong way of drawing something or painting something. Um, and I remember in high school, I took half a year of advanced placement art. You know, my friends always told me, you know, they really loved my stuff. You know, I should try and get into this advanced placement class. And I did. Um, but it was actually the only class that I dropped in high school. And I was a really good student in high school, like, you know, Great days. I was extremely determined. Um, 
And I'll never forget in that art class, we were assigned the project of doing a self-portrait based on a photo that the teacher took of us. And I decided I was going to do mine in more of like a pop art style. You know, I wasn't really into the photorealism. You know, I, I wanted to draw myself the way I saw myself, which was a little quirky. Um, it was, you know, a little cartoonish. Um, and that's the only time in high school that I ever got a failing grade on an wow. assignment. <laughs> I will never forget. I was so upset, you know, how dare you tell me how to draw myself. Um, and ever since then, I've been very resistant to, you know, actually taking classes, um, you know, because I want to do things my way. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's a reflection on her feelings on pop art and not on your skills. <laughs> but it's hard to realize that in high school. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the high school, you know, was a, a rough part as it is, you know, for so many people, you know, it was a, a rough time in my life. And art was certainly something that I relied heavily on, you know, to get me through. And I just remember, you know, when she told me that I did it wrong, that I was like, nope, I'm done. You know, this is my thing. <laughs> and, you know, if you don't like it, that's on you. <laughs> Raina, I was going to ask you in your uh, resume, you have uh, listed photography and you listed something that was, I thought, interesting as Canon, Nikon, Sony, <laughs> where you have all three. So what is it? Which are you? I'm a photographer, so that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I would say primarily Nikon. Um, in high school, you know, like I was trained using a Canon and then for Christmas I was given a Nikon. So then I started, you know, working with that one, um, in college, I did a few classes where I worked with the Sony. So I've worked with all of them, but personally I, I'm a Nikon. Okay. Girl. And I'm a Canon shooter, so I'll forgive that. So Nikon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and real briefly, Nikon was the premier professional uh, camera for so many years, and Canon was always second tier. That's not true anymore. But uh, And Sony is coming <laughs> up the back door. They both better watch out. So, so, yep. <laughs> so part of your uh, uh, site that you established in 2015 in your art was called Urban Psycho. And so maybe expand on that. I mean, that might throw people what that is and why you came up with that name. Yes. Um, so the name Urban Psycho was created out of two things that are very important to me and that certainly led me to being able to do my art in a professional capacity. Um, so Urban is my last name and it's my family name. You know, like I said before, I grew up in a very creative environment with my parents um, and my brother and my sister. You know, all of us are artists in our own mediums. Um, but, but, you know, it definitely inspired me seeing my parents, um, my father, especially with his art. And I really wanted to make sure that urban, you know, it's something I'm very proud of being. I'm very proud of being an urban. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that that was kind of front and center. Um, a lot of people, you know, I, I think everyone is an artist in their own way, but not a lot of people get to call themselves an artist with a capital A and that's something that I've been very fortunate. Um, and a big part of that has come from my family and the support that I get from my family. And then the, the psycho part is a little bit more complicated to explain. And it's actually something that I've really only recently started talking about more, being more open about. Um, 
so back in the summer of 2012, I began this crazy journey after finally admitting that I needed some serious professional help in terms of my mental health. Um, I had some gentle nudging by my then boyfriend, who is now my husband. Um, very, very thankful for him. Uh, he helped me out and um, you know, found a great rehab center here in Chicago, where I began going to therapy and you know, starting my recovery journey from some very self-destructive behaviors um, that had been a big part of my life for a long time. So how, how I, and I, I don't, I, and don't answer if you feel it's intrusive, but reflecting back, when do you, when can you kind of determine that when you didn't, can you determine now when you didn't feel quite right that you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that from an early age, maybe around, you know, 13, 14, I kind of knew that there was just something off with me and, you know, the the feelings I was having and just the, the way that my brain worked. I just, I always kind of knew that there was something and it was in high school where, you know, I realized I, I did not want to admit to anyone or really even to myself that I was dealing with some serious depression. Um you know, it, it didn't, it, you know, it took me until I was out of high school to finally seek help. And I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity to do so. Um, but high school was a really rough time. And, you know, art is one of the things that I think saved me during that time. Um, for most of my childhood and through my late teen years, you know, all of the time that I lived in New Mexico, um, I was an actress, actually in the local theater community. Um, and it wasn't until later when I started going to therapy that I realized how much of a coping mechanism acting was for me, acting, performing. Um, you know, I used it as a way to channel all the emotions that I thought I shouldn't be having or shouldn't be expressing. You know, it would just explode out of me on stage, which you know, was great for my performance, um, but probably not so much for my mental health. Um, and so it wasn't until later, you know, that I realized how much of an outlet that was for me and how much that I really needed that. As well as the community. It really gives you a community, yes. a very broad community because everybody works on everything together. Oh, yes. I mean, the theater community, it's an amazing place. I know, Larry, you can certainly speak to that. Um you know, I'm very, very thankful that I had that in my life because I, I know I wouldn't be where I am right now had I not had that support system that didn't even know it was my support system. <laughs> Before we move off of uh, acting, what type of, I'm just curious, what type of performances or shows you were in, uh, straight plays, comedies, musicals? I did it all. Um, I did quite a few musicals. I'm, I'm not much of a singer. Um but those were some of the most fun. I, I am a dancer and an actress. Um, the shows where I really thrived were definitely straight plays. Um, and Shakespeare, actually. Um, I did Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer Night's Dream. And those were certainly some of the most memorable. Um, I also did 1984, where I got to play Big Brother, which wow. was an amazing experience. Um, 
yeah, so straight plays, um, dramas in particular were really where I thrived. What musicals? Just real quick, I'm curious. Yeah, um, I was in Cabaret. Oh, that's good. Um, played the MC Chicago. I was uh, the Hungarian prisoner, um, so got to speak Hungarian. That was fun. Um, <laughs> when I was younger, I did you know Wizard of Oz and Annie. I did probably about three shows a year from the time that I was in maybe first grade up through when I graduated high school. Math is. <laughs> and I think that, you know, having depression puts you more in touch with those deeper, deeper emotions, yes. which you're then able to express, which is so exactly. therapeutic. Theater exactly. kind of gives you a good support system. I mean, there's something about you know, being in theater and, and part of that. Did you do anything after high school? I did a few things after high school. Um, when I would go back to Santa Fe, you know, just for the summers, um, a group of friends, you know, we would put on these comedies um, with uh, Robert Knott, who's a writer, very well known in Santa Fe. Um, and so I, I did that for maybe about two years after that I you know, moved away officially, but that's when there was a time in my life where I really wasn't doing art. You know, I was going to school and I wasn't making time. I, you know, I wasn't dancing anymore. I wasn't doing any theater. Um, I wasn't really even, you know, painting and drawing. I was just so focused on my studies and all the changes going on in my life. And that's, you know, where that my then boyfriend started to notice, you know, that I was really in a dark place, um, you know, when I, I didn't have that outlet anymore. And so once I finally did get into that rehab program, um, someone actually gave me a coloring page one day after I had a very intense therapy session. Um, they gave me a mandala coloring page. And, you know, this was kind of before that the like adult coloring books were really popular. So I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of cool. You know, they told me this is a great way to decompress and center myself. Um, and after that first day when that they gave me that, it was like a zero to 60, you know, kind of thing where that I started, you know, coloring every day. Um, you know, I would look up different designs online and print them off in the student center. Um, you know, again, this was before the coloring books, so options were kind of limited. And um, eventually I got kind of bored with, you know, the stuff that was available online. And that's when I started doing my own designs. Um, I bought myself a little sketchbook and, you know, like a eight pack of Crayola colored pencils, you know, your basic from the grocery store. And I started doing my own designs. Um and a lot of those designs are actually the ones that are in my professional collection today that you can see on my website. Um, I think that there's obviously a lot of emotional connection in those pieces. And I think that people can feel that when that they look at my art. I, I think that's true. And I think um, such a powerful thing that you said was, um, you know, the you didn't even realize how the art was sustaining you all those years. And it, it's so it's like, it's such a testament to the power of all the arts. Yes, um, exactly. I mean, no matter what it is, if it's performing, if it's painting, drawing, music, you know, whatever, 
whatever it is, you know, it just has such an amazing power behind it. So now you're doing, as you said, graphic design, but are you still maintaining your own art practice? Are you still creating mandalas? And- yes. Yes, most definitely. You know, even though I'm doing the whole graphic design, um, I still make time to make sure I'm doing my own paintings and drawings. And um, I've actually been doing um, upcycled jean jackets mm-hmm. lately, which I have love been that. very popular. Um, you know, so doing designs on denim, but, you know, it's still the mandalas. Um, I don't think that I'll ever really move away from doing the mandalas. It's something that I think is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And we have the same favorite color, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> anything glittery, sparkly, aurora borealis <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> it has all the other colors in it. Yes, I know. I know. That's why I like quartz crystal so much because it it has everything in it. <laughs> so how has COVID influenced you or, or affected you this past year? Uh, and I guess the second part of that is what are you looking forward to as we emerge from that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the COVID pandemic, like so many other people, changed my life drastically in a kind of weirdly positive way. It actually gave me the space to um, quit the regular day job that I had and start doing art full-time as a profession. So in a very weird kind of way, I'm actually very thankful that the pandemic happened when that it did. Because, um, you know, if I didn't have that break in my life, I don't think that I would have really been able to focus on doing my art and getting to do it, you know, all day, every day, like I've always dreamed of doing. Um, but now that, you know, we're finally seeing you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic, you know, things are happening again. I'm really, really looking forward to the, you know, Chicago art scene coming back to life, um, you know, the street festivals coming back. Um, you know, are you still planning on doing them? I am. Yep. Um, as of right now, I am planning my first show will be in December, um, which Esther, I think was actually the show where that you and I met the one of a kind mm-hmm. show at That's the Merchandise true. Mart. So that'll be my first time back and on. I have scene. to say that was thanks to our mutual friend Michelle Schaefer, who told me, "Oh, yes. you have to meet this wonderful woman. You just have to meet her." So, thank you, <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> love Michelle, love Michelle. Yes. She's an amazing person. <laughs> yeah, she, she she's going to be on the show uh, prior to the one we are with you. We just had, we just did an extended interview with her. Well, we're about ready to wrap up, but uh, tell us a little bit about how people can find your art, where they can locate you uh, online. And if they want to contact you. Yes, definitely. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is urbanpsycho.art. Um, but there's also lots of resources on my website, urbanpsychoart.com. Um, you know, you can reach out to me through there. Um, I know we're getting ready to wrap up here, but I do also just want to take this opportunity to encourage Anyone who's listening, you know, anyone who feels lost, alone, you know, like something isn't quite right, you know, to, to reach out to somebody, to anybody, no matter who that it is. Um, there is a page on my website that um, is a new page that I've recently put up that is all information about mental health and addiction recovery and, of course, art therapy. Um, so there's some really good resources on there. Some of them are totally free, available online, anonymous. Um, so, you know, please 
check it out. Um, there's also some good resources for supporting people in your life who you think might be struggling. Yeah, we'd like to thank you for that because that's very forthright. And May is Mental Health Month. And we we appreciate you being so forthright about uh, your journey and uh, your struggle there and how you've conquered that. That's Raina Marie Urban, uh, Urban Psycho. You can find her again on urbanpsychoart.com and also on Instagram, urbanpsycho.art. Thank you so much for being an Art on the Air and sharing your journey. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And we'd like to welcome to Art on the Air. She's worked as an artist, art therapist, yoga therapist, delving into relationships between our bodies, stored emotion, thoughts, and memories. Uh, as a longtime textile artist, much of Lisa Nelson Robb's work has to do with repetitive forms, processes stitch by stitch, moment by moment, the creation of pliable planes. Please welcome to Art in the Air, Lisa Nelson Robb. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's great to great to be with you today. Well, Lisa, our audience would love to know a little bit about you. So kind of want to know about your uh, origin journey, how you got from where you were growing up, things like that, to where you are now. So share that with our audience. Probably the textile interest developed very, very early when I started braiding my blanket as a child. <laughs> um, and it's unexplainable, except I learned to sew with my grandmother and my mother. Where weaving came in um, is a little unknown, but I followed that interest and started in uh, the, the Philadelphia School of Textile and Science in a more uh, business-oriented. That didn't fit real well and um, ended up at the um, School of the Art Institute and completed my BFA there. And um, at that time, you could take any kind of classes. So it was a combination of painting and sculpture and textile work. And um, at that time, I was also working um, with a lot of found objects and processes that I would start in one place and by the end of the time I had worked with something, pounding it or changing it or working with the materials, I could tell that my mood and the content of what the work kind of resolved some underlying emotional or um, just some inquiry that I had that was more of a psychological nature. And I was living in Chicago. I had a lot of art therapist friends and decided that was probably a pretty good route for the master's. Uh, component. I had a couple siblings that were the adjunct professor route for MFA, and that didn't sound like a great, <laughs> great plan overall. So I moved downstate and uh, in Bloomington Normal and completed uh, an MS in art ed, art therapy, and then continued to work downstate. I've been living uh, in Peoria, Illinois now all those years, worked in foster care. Uh, as an so, art therapist. So with that, um, with the art therapist, did you do you focus in on a, an age range or is it like the whole scope of it when you're in school or do you have to specialize in a, you know, an age? Well, range? I, I, yeah, I kind of fell into working with children. And part of that was um, that was maybe it's my own inner nature that I related pretty well to them. And there, um, there's, you know, there's different components to that. There's self-esteem building, there's mastery, there's self-control, delay of gratification, 
um, how to use art that wasn't as much intra-psychic. I thought I was going to work with people and they were going to make art and they were going to explore these hidden realms of their own being. Well, that's happening with me, but I didn't quite hit that mark with um, the people that I was working with. So I worked with sexually abused children, people that, uh, children that had uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, attachment difficulties. And um, I was in that for a solid 15 years. I was in uh, private practice and then um, felt that there was more trauma embodied. It was in the body itself. And by working directly with the body, that um, was a really uh, direct avenue. And I had uh, breast cancer uh, 22 years ago or so. And that was my own internalized trauma. And I needed a much less stressful environment to be functioning in, in the world. So I slowly kind of worked into yoga, but I still have a clinical license and, um, just this attitude of how do we embody a practice through either materials, movement, breath work, whatever it is that that has a transformative is a transformative in its nature. I know this some we had um, somebody talking about somatics, you know, quite a few months ago, and it's um it's so wonderful that all these words are becoming part of our daily language now. Yeah. Yeah, that we're actually uh, somas, like this life force, right? You know, and um, so what? It, some of the things that are informing my work now, and I and I am in graduate school now. At the end of December, I'm slated to get the MFA here in town at Bradley University, yeah. and I'm working with um, Heather Brammeyer, um, who's just a stupendous, uh, she's in the painting department, but she's installation and multimedia and, uh, and then Fisher Stoltz is a ceramic artist and, um, and, uh, no, he's a sculptor, sculptor. So, um, that work is highly informed by my love of wanting to work directly with materials and how those materials as, as a life energy or as a as a, a not an inert matter, but this open-ended process engages what's going on in my own life energy, and that then that work kind of shows me what's alive in me or how I'm processing what's happening um, in my everyday life. It's kind so of interesting because, like paper, paper shows us exactly that dynamic: the strength and the fragility of it can happen at the same time. Um, so it's, it's, and I think that's, you're working with a lot of paper right now. Yeah. I see paper as a, as a felted textile product. It just happens to be paper pulp and I'm not making paper. I'm using paper with, um, wet painting materials. I like really, um, thin mediums. Golden makes some great mediums that, that the paper gets transparent so those levels of opacity and transparency. And um, the idea that textile work is, is it's pliable planes. It's forms that can in, in, in have space to them because of the way they even relate just to uh, movement with air. So I, you know, 
As you have your work categorized by different series, is that the way you work on things? Do you work in a series or do you have multiple different things happening in the studio at the same time and then they get grouped as like, and then you come to a point where you say, this body is complete for this moment, you know? So how, Mm -hmm. what is your, what is your thinking on that? Uh, My history is that I've made planes of material and then cut them up and then put them back together. And I still have, I still make, I still experiment with the plane of material. Now it's paper and, and uh, thread or something glued onto it or thrown onto it and then um, manipulated another way. And so some, I'm a reuser. I make things and then I use them and then I reuse them. And I'm much more interested in the process of it than the product. And I need to, so, but your question was, do I work in one series and then to another series? I do once I figure out what the content of the work is. (laughs) Once I've worked with it and then it says, oh, this is where you're going. Right, this is Then I'll determine like where it's going to be. Um, But go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about the studio. So for me personally, I like to work with just ambient noises um, mm. rather than toss on a CD or something. How do you like to work? I, my favorite kind of music is repetitive music. So um, like, I love Stephen Wright um, probably the most. And um, so sometimes that's on there. Um, kind of, you know, yeah, ambient. Like in, a, like in a loop, if I have a CD on, it's in a loop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I listened to classical music as a kid, so I just have that as the ground. But I'm the victim of liking a distraction and, and kind of having something hum in the background that's a storyline, but I'm not quite there. And I do think there's something about saying, oh, I'm not, I can look up, it makes me look up, it makes me go away from the work, besides just really honing in on this thing that's right in front of me. You know, I need to, because I can get so involved in the stuff that's right in front of me, but we need to see it from a distance. Right. You know, the question I have is if you were to describe your art, and I'm, of course, I'm looking at some of it right now, but for our audience that can't see it, how would you describe it if they were coming to an exhibit? And there's so many different things that you do, but describe that for us. Like, like if we were coming to an exhibit to see, what are we seeing? We're seeing work that encourages the viewer to get a sense of the, the environment they enter over one particular piece at a time and that um that to to be able to find their own awareness of their perception through the way things shift very gently because of the angles and the light that occurs on these kind of translucent and um transparent pieces of paper the last exhibit that i we have been experimenting with is a series of cocoon forms that hang in space and they move and you can walk through them and also experience stillness and still some kind of, I think I'm more interested in resonance than creating a deep sense of space or 
big active plane of uh, some activity. How's the uh, pandemic affected you negatively or positively as you're working? I, I can spend a lot of time alone. And it's been interesting because I'm, I'm a student and that, that I have like an 800 square foot studio at school that many days I went to and saw no one in the whole building, right? Because we were all very remote and not all the professors were teaching in person. Um, and I, I took it on in general in a practice because I wasn't doing things like I like to swim and I, you know, go to the gym or go out, but, um, to take it as this internal practice of how was I going to nurture myself in the most um, essentially fundamentally healthy and supportive way. And um, that art is a practice as much as, as it's about creating an object. It's the, the fact of being present and staying with the materials and just seeing it and not questioning where it's supposed to go. So um, I live with Bert. Bert's my husband, and um, we're both retired. And we we got really close. And I think that I felt really safe in a way that was so beautiful in the context of this being cautious about being outside in the world. And and so there were two bodies of work that uh, that came from that, and the first one was this uh, artwork that I put up in the fall, which I entitled "Navigational Notes: Adrift, Be Calmed." And I made these boat kind of objects that hang in midair and swirl around, and I felt like I was on a journey that was going nowhere. I just was present with this thing of circling around and staying in that kind of lilting behavior. And then the second um, one was this idea of these cocoon or chrysalis forms, which are, they're, they're forms that turn in on themselves. And they, they represent, I realized after I made quite a few of them that they represented this, this essence of that we just stayed in there and many people had just stated into not being anymore. And they were, they were left. These cocoons are like the memories and the acknowledgements we have of the many people who have died that we know and, and don't know and acknowledge that as a kind of uh, tragic beauty. There's a lot of grief there for me in that. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. There's a huge dichotomy of the pandemic is allowing nervous systems to settle while still being aware of this devastating tragedy that the world is going through. And it's like a conflict within your own body. Yes, your nervous system, because you're not doing the day-to-day interaction that you normally have so consequently you know that is i think our our nervous systems are smoothing out mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when you think beyond just that cocooning then <laughs> yeah yeah what's next what's next which yeah. brings me to my next question what are you looking forward to do once we're through this tunnel of pandemic that you haven't done 
Um, I love taking Amtrak places. That was, you know, so even trips to Chicago were not happening. I really want to see the new Kohler exhibit up in Sheboygan. Um, I love going to Washington, D.C. and seeing everything there. So that's one of the major things, as well as seeing my mom, who's 94, I haven't seen. Um, That's a big one. And I think just the ease of meeting with people and not second guessing. Now there's this second guessing about, are you vaccinated? And should you ask? And (laughs) how many masks did you wear? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. The double masking and the, and forgetting and then having it handy. And mm -hmm. so, um, do you have, so what do you, do you have sort of a timetable of when, you will be going to exhibits or are there any exhibits that you have coming up that will be in person or virtual? It's just so hard to take this next, to think Mm -hmm. about this next step, you know, like Mm -hmm. emotionally one moment you feel able to conquer all of that. And then the reality is the news. (laughs) Yeah. And, and a friend of mine up in Milwaukee invited me up and I was like, great. And then I was like, wait, (laughs) <laughs> and and then we decided that it probably would be July anyway. Um, so that will, and then I'll, I mean, we can drive to Quincy and see my brother and his wife. They're both artists. So that's great. Um, but yeah, it's, there's no big plans, not really big plans yet. And um, I think that it's as much unpeeling and opening out of a space that I really did kind of enjoy. I, I treasured phone calls with people that were always too busy to talk. It, and um, this, this place that I did get in, in my own yoga practice, which, which is challenging and it was fulfilling to be connected to myself without the ego of needing to relate that to someone else. Oh, that's so true. I mean, that is such a big that is just such a big thing that you just said. It's just really, it's um, to have the luxury really of being able to explore all of those, those emotions and then having the ability to translate it with whatever materials you want to do. We really do have, um, you know, in that balance of the pandemic, the, the tragedy of the pandemic and the results of it, artists are finding a different voice and it's uh it's kind of it's so hard to balance the beauty with the tragedy you know lisa on your website i've seen something that well appears to be jewelry are you work, doing metal work or jewelry or um not sure what that was or are well, those or are those fabric things <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell they, they there's look... a lot of stuff on that website buried in there i don't know how deeply you've got in there larry it's under a but, solo exhibitions and it, but it, it's a bunch of things on a table that, well, I guess they aren't jewelry. They, oh, yeah. You know so what, you know what I, you know what I did? And, um, it was in that exhibit with the navigational notes underneath these floating boats. I, I took just stuff that I have that was like, my father was a jeweler and repaired watches, and I made this little assemblage of his stuff under one and jewelry from an aunt and and these things that were that they they just call to me about the relationships that I've had that are 
you have our remnants and remains of them. Yeah, I think I didn't make that joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that stuff. <laughs> Not that stuff. Okay. Well, I was yeah. I was looking at some of the things that you have on your website, which uh, are wonderful. And then like uh, the, in the, going into the room and everything, like I, I see one that uh, be calmed adrift. And I see what you mean, how things are on the walls and hanging. And they really draw you into like a whole environment there. And uh uh, so that's that. And your website, by the way, for our audience is uh, Lisa Nelson Rob. That's R A A B E dot com. So you want to look at it, you can see what we're talking about. But uh, yeah, I, I see some of the things that you are doing. So uh, we sort of talked about the future, but uh, and you don't know exactly about exhibits, but you think twenty twenty two is kind of like the reemergence time for you? Well, it, yeah. At this point, um, one of the great things was that I was able to put two exhibits up at school without anyone coming to them. And then in December, I'll have the thesis exhibit. So I'm planning on that. And um, yeah, I, there's there's a body of work that I'm working with that's more sculptural, and I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. But I'm, but yeah, I mean, even places now, they're not quite planning yet. But that's the that's the idea to keep at it. So are you still doing the cocoons or are you now more thinking about this, the thesis work? I mean, like getting that together. There's going to be some larger hanging forms that are cocoon-like. And um, I want to work with Margaret Lejeune, who's a photographer and um, at school. And um, possibly, I like kind of doing video and uh, I like writing and um, putting something together that's actually more my words and the images. So I think that might be where that work is headed, besides just being exhibited. Well, we have a, just about a minute left. We want to leave you enough time to kind of tell us about your website, uh, other places that people can see your work, Instagram and everything like that. So just tell us a little bit about how people can find you. Yeah. The, the email is lisa at lisanelsonrob.com. And uh, the other major, um, I use Instagram, and it's just L-N-R-A-B-E, L-N-R-A-B-E. Excellent. That's, yeah. yeah, that's correct. I'm looking at it here. So, well, <laughs> anyway, Lisa, we appreciate you. That's uh, Lisa Nelson Rama, who's an uh, artist, art therapist, yoga, and almost completed her MFA. Uh, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air, and thank you so much for sharing uh, your journey, your uh, work, and uh, best of luck in the upcoming 2021-22 season. Yeah, completely wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, you also. Thank you so much. It's just so great to get to know you a little bit. Let's keep this going. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay, great. Aloha. Coming next week, an all-theater show on Art of the Air that features Tito Sanchez-Williams, Elise Kermani, and Steve Scott talking about Dune Summer Theater's season premiere musical Forever Plaid opening June 4th. Philip Potempa discusses his one-man show Winchell on the Air on June 10th at the Center for Visual and Performing Arts. Our spotlight is with Porter County Library Director Jesse Butts about their summer reading program. So don't miss next week's edition of Art on the Air. You've been listening to Art on the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 
Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, every Sunday at 7 p.m., also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster, with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Mary LeVan, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air... Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so. So we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself.